kids, we have been so excited to have you guys with us this morning, but it is time for you guys to head on out to your Sunday school class. So if you guys will just make your way right down the center aisle or by the side, whatever is easiest for you, you guys can head on out. Excellent. And adults, that may free up a little bit more room for us. If you guys want to come and have, have a little bit of a cushy seat, get off one of those hard benches in the back, feel free to move on forward. Well, it has been a great day so far this morning. I'm so excited to be here. And last week, Stephen did a great job. He started us in a brand new series called To Gather. And the, the verse that we get this from is Matthew 18.20. And we're going to read this verse together real quick. Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. To gather, wherever two gather. And so we're continuing this series this morning. And we're going to continue looking at this idea that there's something special that happens when two or three people gather in the name of God. And some of you may be saying, well, what does that mean? If, if I'm alone, is God not there? Absolutely not. We know God says he will never leave us nor forsake us. But we have to recognize that when we gather as a community of believers, when two or three of us gather for a special purpose to come together and honor God, that something special happens. God's presence is there with us in a special way. And that amazing things can happen. And over and over again throughout Scripture, we see that there is a special presence uh, for believers when, when they come together. A special presence of God and powerful things begin to happen. And this morning, I want to talk to us about the importance of biblical relationships within the community group. That's what we call our small group ministry here at River Rock Bible Church. And I want to talk to us about the importance of being in community. Now, what is a community group? Let me, let me help you understand a little bit more about what a community group is. A community group is a, is a group of people who are committed to doing their life together based around the Word of God. Now, let me explain that a little bit further. A, a community group is not just a social gathering. It's not just a place where you go in the middle of the week and hang out with a couple of nice people, and then you go home and do it again the next week. A community group is, is not a Bible study. It's way more than that. It's a group of people who are loving each other, caring for each other, encouraging one another. They're praying together. They're bearing each other's burdens, challenging each other towards love and good deeds. They're laughing together, celebrating together, and at times weeping together. And they're they're doing all of this, taking next steps spiritually together, doing all of this based around the word of God. That is the authority in their life. That's what drives them. That's what, that's what encourages them. That's what in, informs every single thing they do. But they're doing all of these things together. And this morning, I want to talk to us about the importance of the relationships that we have in our community groups. I want to talk about heart and soul relationships. Heart and soul relationships. In just a moment, we're going to look at a story from 1 Samuel chapter 14 that, that really just reminds me of the heart and soul relationships that I have in my own community group that, that my wife and I get to be a part of every single week. But let me say this. I believe that in every single one of us here, there is more greatness. There's more potential and more possibilities of the things that God wants to do in and through you than you, you could possibly imagine. And I think, unfortunately for most of us, there's one missing ingredient. You see, I think that there are, there are things that God wants in us and through us. I believe that maybe you're here this morning and there is a God-honoring marriage inside of you and your spouse that God wants to draw out. 
For some of you, it's, it's world-changing kids that, that you will raise someday. Some of you, it's a business that God wants you to start. And, and not just so that you can make money, but so that you can make an impact on your community and the world around you that perhaps you would have the opportunity to start a new ministry to reach people around the world who've yet to be unreached, to do things that no one else is doing. But I think the one key ingredient that's missing is relationships. I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, you will never do all that God wants you to do alone. You'll never do all that God wants you to do alone. And, and I know that, that some of us are like, well, you know, I've got God. Isn't that enough? If God's on my side, isn't that enough? And again, throughout Scripture, what we see is this. And you may want to write this down. God uses God's people to bring about God's purposes. God uses God's people to bring about God's purposes. And we see this all the way throughout Scripture. Go all the way back to Genesis Genesis, and you guys may know this, it says God created Adam, he placed him in the garden, and he said, it's not good for man to be what? Say it out loud. It's not good for man to be alone, right? So God creates Eve. Why? Because he needed somebody to help him find his car keys and then tell him how to drive. It's not good for man to be alone. And then we have Solomon, the wisest, other than Jesus, the wisest man to ever live. Solomon says this, two is greater than one. For if one falls in the pit and he's alone, no one can help him up. But if there's another one, he can lift him up. Deuteronomy says this, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Did you catch that? One or two is not twice as good as one. It's 10 times as good as one. Two is 10 times as good as one when we gather for the right reasons in the name of God. Now, I know some of you are saying, hey, uh, I had two or three of my Christian friends at work that we gathered on Tuesday and we bought Powerball tickets and uh, God did not show up in the right way. He showed up for some lady in Massachusetts, but he didn't show up for us. And that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about here today at River Rock. That's not the kind of stuff we're expecting God to do. Uh, the same is true. Just like we have, the, we have relationships that can propel us toward God, towards God and, and the right things will, will begin to happen in our lives because we're being encouraged to look into his word to honor him with our actions. The opposite is true. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Right? And so if we're not surrounded with the right people, if we're surrounded with the wrong people, then the opposite is going to happen. Now think about this. Think about who are the five most dominant voices in your life. Who are the five most dominant voices in your life? You show me the five most dominant voices in your life, and I will show you your future every single time. If you're married and your five closest friends, the guys are going out having guys not at the bar chasing other women, and the women are getting together, and all they're doing is husband bashing. Well, you won't believe what he did, rah, 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 and all they're doing is going at their husbands. The chances of you having a healthy, happy, successful marriage are not very high. On the other hand, if your five clo- closest friends, five closest married couples are, are seeking God, 
And the husbands are saying, hey, we have got to find ways that we can lay down our lives to serve our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We've got to do that for our wives. And the women are getting together and they're saying, hey, we've got to find ways to come alongside of our husbands and, and show respect for them and to, and to encourage them and to help raise our children in a godly way. If those are your five closest friends, then your chances of a strong, healthy mar- marriage are going way up. I guarantee it. Same thing is true at work. Your five closest friends at work, all they want to do is sit around and be on Facebook all day, and they want to figure out how little they can actually do and still be employed and pick up their paycheck. And all they do is complain is, ah, there's no good stuff to do around here. We're never going to get promoted. There's, this company's going nowhere. If that's all they do, then there is a limit on your potential at that company. On the other hand, if your five closest friends get together and they say, you know what? What if... We served our boss, we worked for our boss as if we were working directly for God. What if we made it our goal to serve him and to make him look like the absolute best boss in the world and we worked our tails off, not expecting anything in return? I guarantee your potential at that company went way, way, way up. You show me your five closest relationships and I will show you your future. The same is true with your relationship with God. Same is true with your relationship with God. If your five closest friends say that they're Christians, but they're not really Christians, they're not going to church, they're not ever praying, they're not ever talking about scripture, they're not ever sharing the gospel, your potential for the kingdom is limited. But if your five closest friends are are challenging you and they're saying, hey, tell me, how are things going? Are you going to church regularly? Are you praying every day? Are you getting into scripture? What's God teaching you? What's God saying to you? Your kingdom potential just went up. And again, what I love about this is that when the right people gather for the right reasons, God shows up and the right things happen. This morning, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 14, and we're going to talk about the power of heart and soul relationships. And again, this is a story that just reminds me of the people in my own community group. Before we jump in, a little bit of context here. There's three main players in this story. You've got King Saul who's king at the time. You've got Jonathan, his son, and then you've got an armor bearer. And the story is this, that the Israelites have gone out to war and they got whooped up on by the Philistines. They got whooped so bad that the entire Israelite army is hiding in caves and literally under rocks. And they're too scared to come out. And Jonathan is sitting around one day and then this happens. Let's look at First Samuel 14, verse 1, it says, The same day, Saul's son Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapon, Come on, let's go over to the, the, to the Philistine garrison on the other side. However, he did not tell his father, Saul. All right, so he doesn't tell his father. That's interesting. It's interesting that he wouldn't tell his father. Someone who should have been one of the most dominant voices in his life is not. Most of us today, we would say that Saul was an absent father. And perhaps you can relate to that. Perhaps maybe your dad died when you were young or, or you, you had a dad who just wasn't present in your life. Like he was there, but he was in the lazy boy. And the most conversation we had was, hey, bring me some chips at halftime. And you just had an absent dad. Or maybe it was your mom or a close friend or a spouse who should have been you been there for you in a time of need, but they weren't there, and so you've missed out. You've missed out on an important relationship. But I love what verse 1 says in the NIV. I love it in the NIV, and it says, one day, 
one day is how it starts. One day, Jonathan got tired of being where he was, and he got up and he decided to do something about it. And let me tell you that today, for some of you, today is that one day. For some of you as followers of Christ, today is the one day where you're going to say, you know what, I don't have that kind of relationship. I don't have heart and soul relationships. And today is the day I'm going to do something about it. Because if we're honest, we all know that heart and soul meaningful relationships don't happen by accident. They don't happen just because we hope they will. They take time, they take energy, they take investment, and they take commitment. They don't just happen one day. One day, today is that one day. And so we're going to go on and we read this beginning in verse 4. So Jonathan decides he's going to go over to the other side and he takes his armor bearer with him. And then we read that there were, there were sharp columns of rock on both sides. He's in the middle of a valley and there's two cliffs on either side on side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine garrison. One was named Bozes and the other Sinna. One stood on the north in front of Michmash, and the other to the south in front of Geba. So here we have, if you're a note taker, you want to write this down. Write down Bozes and Sinna. Bozes means slippery, and Sinna means thorny. And here's what we've got to realize is that on our journey with God, we're going to often have to navigate the slippery slope of temptation and the thorny obstacles of our enemies. And we need someone to be, be there with us. If we don't have the right people, we can easily be tripped up by the temptation. We can be easily tripped up on the slippery slope of temptation. What happens? We get proud. We get greedy in a business deal. We, we start to develop an attraction for someone who's not our spouse. But with the right people, they can speak into our lives. They can tell us, hey, you're being stupid when you're being stupid. And they can say, hey, I believe God is speaking to you in this. And you can go in the right direction. But we need those people in our lives. They can give you encouragement when you need encouragement. And they can kick your rear end when your rear end needs to be kicked. With the right people in your life. We all need them. If not, we can lose ground on the slippery slope of temptation. Not only that, we need help navigating uh, the obstacles that the enemy throws at us. How many times have you ever said, I wish, I wish there was someone who could walk through this with me. I, I wish there was someone I could pray with. I just wish there was someone I could talk to, someone to help me with what I'm going through. With the right people around you, it's, you can still feel lonely if you're just around the right people. You have to be in relationship with them and be committed to them. Don't find yourself thinking, I, I wish someone cared. I wish someone knew. I wish there was someone that I could just cry with and someone to listen to me, someone to give me advice. Surround yourself with the right people. And who are, who are the right people? What do they do? Well, the right people help us overcome the slippery slopes of temptation and the thorny obstacles of the enemy. The second thing the right people do is this. The right people can help us overcome a wavering faith. They can help us overcome a wavering faith. And we're going to see that with Jonathan. He almost gets tripped up here in verse 6. Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapons, his armor bearer, come on, let's cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving us, whether by many or by few. So Jonathan says, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go to the other side. The Lord, our God, is with us, I think. You ever been there? 
God is with me. God wants me to do this. I hope. I can't tell you how many times I come home and that's like, I, I feel like God is speaking to me and I, and I come and the first person I want to talk to is my wife and to say, God is calling us to do this. Maybe. And all I need is someone in my life to speak into me and say, yes, we can affirm this. We have this, we have this faith and doubt that go back and forth. And I can tell you, when I was 28 years old, I felt for the first time this, this need to plant a church. Uh, and, and like, this is what God was calling me to do. And I didn't really have any great mentors at the time who, who saw, uh, saw everything in me. And people that I would talk to, they'd be like, well, you're a youth pastor at a church that's going to pay you way more than what you get paid to go be a, be a church planner. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. And I had a, ment- uh, a, a boss who said, you know what, I just, you, you don't have the skill set for that. You can't do that. You need to go work at a seminary somewhere. That's what you need to do. And, and it was like every... The only person who believed, was one person who believed in me. And that was my wife, and I couldn't believe her because she's my wife, and she's supposed to support me. (laughs) And so all I needed was the right people to speak into my life at that time and say, hey, we believe God is speaking to you. We believe God does want this to happen in your life. I needed those people who would be with me. And it's a difficult thing, and I got to say, there are some of you here who have a vision of what God's calling is on your life. You have a vision for a ministry. You have a vision for your marriage. You have a vision for your kids. You have a vision for a job, a business that you want to start. And all you need is the right people surrounding you, speaking into your life, to be there to say, you know what, we, we believe God is speaking to you in this. Or to save you from yourself and say, you know what, that's, that's a great vision but man, let's count the costs. Let's make sure you're taking the right steps. You need those people in your life who are going to be there and going to encourage you forward. We need real friends. We need the right people in our life. The right people are not, not just friends, right? We all have friends. I think on Facebook I have 500 friends, right? Those aren't friends. We're not talking Facebook friends. We're not talking, oh yeah, I'm in your life, you're in my life. I saw your kids on Facebook, 140 characters are left less. Let's do life together. Yay. That's not what I'm talking about. We need friends who are with us heart and soul. Look at 1 Samuel 14 verse 7. 1 Samuel 14 verse 7. His armor bearer responded, do what is in your heart. You choose. I am right here with you. Whatever you decide. Whatever you decide. In, in the NIV, it says, I am with you heart and soul. The armor bearer knew that if Jonathan goes to the other side and he gets destroyed by the Philistines, it was going to cost him his life as well. But he says, you know what, Jonathan? God speaking to you, I'm with you heart and soul. I am with you heart and soul. And I got to tell you, um, the first time in my life that I can really remember friends who weren't my family, who were with me heart and soul, was when I moved to Austin in 2012. We got here in July 2012. I started at Hill Country Bible Church Austin in September of 2012. By January of 2000, or December of 2012, uh, I was working to plant a church, and we had this, this uh, big vision meeting. 
and where we gathered all these people who had some sort of interest in planning a church here in Georgetown. We gathered like 30, almost 40 adults in that room. And I can remember we were all gathered there that night, and I, I cast the vision for what this was going to be. Uh, and, and I said, hey, I have a vision. God, God has given me a vision to plant a church here in Georgetown. But it's not going to be like other churches where we just show up on Sunday morning, we sing a few songs, we hear some mediocre preaching, and then we go home and we come back and do it the next week. No, the vision that I have for a church is this, that we're going to be committed to living on mission together. We're going to commit ourselves to preaching and proclaiming the gospel to the people around us. We're going to, we're going to be committed to reaching every man, woman, and child in the city of Georgetown and to the ends of the earth with the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. We're going to be committed to making disciples. We're going to be committed to planting more churches. And we're not going to care that we're going to meet in an elementary school and have to set up pipe and drape every single week. We're going to commit ourselves to doing everything we can to reaching every person that we can and making making them disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And that group of 40 grew all the way down to 16. But let me tell you about those 16 men and women, those eight families who said, Pastor, whatever you have in mind, we're with you heart and soul. We are with you heart and soul. Now, nobody said that because we hadn't read this passage yet, so, um, but it would have been awesome if they had said it. But in their actions, they said, we are with you, heart and soul. And so for the last four years, these families have poured into, they gave up their time, they gave up their talent, they sacrificed of their treasure to be able to bring this to reality, a church that's four years old. It just moved into a new building. Many of you guys found us in the new building, but what you don't know is that you don't know that we've been going for four years and that over the past year, we started praying that God would allow us to see more men, women, and children. And so in one year, God allowed us to see 24 men, women, and children put their trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? And not only that, we've seen... Over this past year, we've seen 36 men and women intentionally engaged in discipleship relationships. We sent 16 men, women, and children to Mazatlan, Mexico to proclaim the gospel down there and to partner with people in the gospel down there. Not only that, but in our first year, we set aside a huge chunk of money when we didn't have any money, and we said, someday we're going to plant a church. And that someday came three months in when after we launched in September, in November, we partnered with four other churches, and we said, we're going to plant a church. And two years later, we planted Renovate Church over off the border of Leander and Cedar Park, and more men, women, and children are hearing the gospel today because of the investment that the people of this church made sacrificially. Because four years ago, eight families decided to go with some immature, know-nothing youth pastor and to plant a church. And lives have been changed because they were with me heart and soul and they gave their heart and soul just as much as I have. They sacrificed and gave and worked sometimes even harder than I did because they, they were with me heart and soul. And I can tell you, when that day comes and it's going to come, maybe it's your, your kid gets, you find out your kid's using drugs or your teenage daughter comes home pregnant. You don't need some religious do-gooder saying, oh, well, there must be sin in your life if you'd been a better parent. No, you need someone who says, hey, I'm with you heart and soul. 
we're going to walk through this thing together. We're going to get you the help that you need. Or, or when your marriage is struggling, you don't need him siding with the husband and her siding with the wife, picking sides. No, you need people who say, I'm not for him, I'm not for her, I'm for your marriage. And we are with you, heart and soul. We are not going to let the enemy tear down the covenant that you two have built. In the name of Jesus, we are with you, heart and soul. And I can tell you that that is exactly what happens in our community groups. We have couples in our church who who were headed towards divorce. They were on their way towards divorce. And yet their community group came around them and said, no, you are not getting a divorce. You will go to counseling. If I have to drive you myself, I will get you both to counseling. And that marriage is now restored today and is a testimony. And I hope they don't mind me saying the name. Can I say your name? Adam and Valerie Hamstrick, right here, they can tell you their story of how their community group surrounded them. We have another family. Uh, a, a guy was going through a divorce the worst time of his life, and his community group, same community group, came around him and said, this is hard, but we are going to walk through this with you. We are here with you. We're going to walk through this with you. We're going to be there for you. We're going to be there for your kids. Heart and soul, we are with you. Not only that, recent Brittany Crosby, 27 years old, Brittany Crosby's diagnosed with ovarian cancer, has to have a complete hysterectomy. She's been struggling with health issues for a while. They finally figured out what it was. Our community group came around her and said, we are with you heart and soul, whatever you need. Meals, like I think they're still eating meals that were prepared for them back in January by our community group and by the people of this church. House payments were made. Vacation time was given to help them take care of that. Dogs were cared for. Because people were with them, heart and soul. Another family in our church that's a part of a different community group, they shared with their community group, hey, our washing machine is going out. We need to get a new washer and dryer. Not kidding. Like the next day, an envelope is in their mailbox with $1,000. Maybe it was more, but like $1,000 for them to go buy a new washing machine and a new dryer. That is heart and soul. That is the people of God being the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. And I believe that community groups is the purest form of the church. It's the absolute purest form of the church. It's where life happens. You look at Acts chapter 2, the early church. What were they doing? They were committed to the word of God, and they were meeting together. And whenever someone had a need, the others would do whatever they had to do. They would sell stuff. They would sacrifice in order to meet the need of the other people in their community, in their church, in their group. And guess what happened? The rest of the world saw this and they said, that is so crazy. I don't understand what you believe, but I see the love that you have for one another and all I know is that I want that. You gotta, you gotta tell me, how do I get that? And the people of the early church said, well, it starts with Jesus. It starts with a relationship with him. It was something that would, would draw people to a relationship with him. Every single one of us I love the story of Naomi and Ruth. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. I love that. Heart and soul, I am with you. Now, what's crazy about that text is a lot of people use that as their marriage checks. And here's what you need to know. That was two chicks talking to each other, right? It kind of changes the, the way you view that, right? Not the best thing. When you're married, you're one flesh. You, 
you better go where they go, right? Uh, you better go with them. You're their people. Become your people. But it's so much different when it's someone who's not your family who says, hey, I'm with you heart and soul. Where you go, I will go. They'll be with you. Moses and Aaron. Moses one day is fighting in, in Exodus. The, the people of Israel are fighting a great battle under Joshua. And the scripture says that when Moses would raise his hands up high on this hill, the army of the Israelites would be victorious in battle. They'd begin to push back the enemy. But when he took his arms down, they would begin to lose. And so he's standing there for hours on end with his arms raised, worshiping the Lord, letting, watching as his people begin to be victorious in battle. But guess what? I don't know about you, but I can't stand here like this very long. His arms begin to get tired. And scripture says that God sent two men, Aaron and Hur, One stood on the right and one stood on the left and they propped up his arms so that the people of Israel could be victorious, that he wouldn't grow tired and weary. And let me tell you, some of you, you don't have the strength to make it on your own. You're struggling financially. You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling at work. You're struggling with your kids. You're struggling in your other relationships. You're struggling in school. And what you need is you need an Aaron and a Hur who are going to come alongside you and say, hey, we are not leaving you. We are not going to let your arms sag. We are going to carry you through this. We're going to walk through this with you. We're going to be with you heart and soul. We need those type of relationships in our lives. I know some of you are, are thinking, man, this sounds good. I'd love it. I'd love to have heart and soul relationships. But I just don't have time. I don't have time. Let me tell you, I'm not saying this arrogantly, I'm not saying this proudly, but I'm willing to bet my schedule's at least as busy as yours. If you think about it, I'm an entrepreneur starting a a new church. It's kind of like starting up a business. Uh, Not only is there the business end of things, but there's also the pastoral end of things that I've got to be meeting with people and counseling and shepherding and things like that. Uh, You put on top of that preparing a message. You put on top of that delivering a message every single week. And you put on top of that the four kids that I have at home and their activities and all the stuff. I promise you, my schedule is at least as busy as yours is. And let me say this. I don't have time not to be in a community group. I don't have time not to be in a community group because here's what I love about my community group. Community group is the place that I get to go where I'm not Pastor Charlie, I'm just Chuck. I could just be Chuck. And I could come into my community group and I could say, guys, I am hurting, I'm tired, I'm struggling with my kids, uh, and I know that they're going to come around me, heart and soul, and they're going to they're be with me and they're going to walk through those things with me. And that is something that I need. That is something that we all need. Need. We've got to have those heart and soul relationships. I believe the most gaping need in Christians today is the need for community. Too many of us have the wrong people speaking into our lives, and we need the right people, not only speaking into our lives, but praying with and praying for us, encouraging us from the Word of God. Two are better than one. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. If you want stronger finances, get around people who biblically handle their finances. You want stronger marriages, get around people who biblically handle their marriages. You want, you want to walk closer to God, get around people who are walking closer to God. Get into these relationships. If someone hurts you, if someone hurts you, 
Don't say, I'm taking my Bible. I'm going to a different church. No, you forgive them. Grow up. Forgive them. The biblical thing, like the thing that Scripture asks us to do, there's someone annoying in your community group, that's fine. It's a principle. It's, it's like a rule. Every community group, in fact, I, I think we do this on purpose. Every community group has somebody annoying on purpose. Why? It teaches you to love them. And you're like, my community group, my community group doesn't have anybody annoying. If you say your community group, <laughs> thank you. Matt said it, not me. Matt said it, not me. Matt said if, if your community group doesn't have anybody annoying, it's probably you, right? And the other people are loving you anyways. Grow up. We're going to have annoying people in our lives. We've got to love them. We're going to have people who hurt us. We've got to forgive them. That's how we get stronger. That's how we, we show that our lives are different to the world around us. For wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. When the right people gather for the right thing, right reasons, God is present and right things happen. I want to pray for every single one of us here this morning before we move into our offering time.